0: Conversations about life, relationships, challenges, and everything in between, with unfiltered discussions with real people offering their authentic stories, experiences, and perspectives. No topic is off limits and no story is too small. Join us on United Public Radio Network 107.7 FM.
1: Okay, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Where have you been Dr. Sherry? Are you
0: shape-shifting? <laughs> shape-shifting. We are coming to you live from incredible Louisiana, New Orleans, from United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. And Dr. Sherry is joining us from exact spot from New Orleans, Louisiana. You are so lucky, Dr. Sherry. Indeed. And I am your host, Dr. Yana, and I am in San Diego, California, and it is really warm here while the rest of the world is freezing. Ha ha. (laughs) We are so warm.
1: What is the weather like there, Sherry? In the 50s, 60s, it Uh fluctuates. It's chilly. It's
0: nice. Chilly and nice, I know. Mm-hmm. Like in the summertime here in San Diego, it gets so hot in August and September and even October. Mm-hmm. But in the wintertime, we're all waiting for the weather to be cooler. However, we don't get to wear warm clothes at all. So, you know, when the people wear those uh, uh, furry boots, Uggs, they wear them also in the summertime. Because we don't have anywhere to wear them and we want to wear them. So... <laughs> It
1: cools off sometime in the evening, right? You do get a little bit. of. It's a desert
0: climate. So, and we live in it and I love it. And you remember living here also, Dr. Sherry. Yes, for over 20 years. So I love it too. Yeah, 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 exactly. I often miss. I know. And you're coming here soon as well. Yes. And I moved to San Diego also, thanks to you as well, because I came here several times to look around just to see if I can move here. And finally, I did, and I got a position to teach, and finally, I was able to come and settle here. So thanks to my dearest friend, Dr. Sherry. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> Nothing happens by accident.
0: Nothing happens by accident at all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Be Honest Podcast, Relationship Talks with Dr. Jana and Dr. Sherry, the show where we ascend to honest conversations about life, relationships, challenges, and everything in between. Each week, our mission is to bring you raw unfiltered discussions with real people, offering their authentic stories, experiences, and perspectives. In this ever-changing world filled with filters and facades, we believe in the power of honesty. Join us as we explore moments that make us human, the struggles that shape our reality, and the conquests inspiring our lives. No topic is of limits and no story is too small. Our honest experiences hold the power of connection and healing, reminding us that we are not alone on this path in life. So get ready to be honest on this candid, heartfelt episode yet again. Whether you're looking for genuine advice, relatable lived experience, or just listening in, You are in the right place. This is the Honest Podcast, where we embrace the beauty of being authentically you and inspiring your life potential. Let's get started. Today, we have an incredible topic for you called emotional availability. What is it and what do we eat it with? Dr. (laughs) Sherry. Is this a pertinent topic? Uh, Do you think that uh, we can live without it, without the understanding of emotional availability or what emotional availability is or
1: what it is not? I absolutely think we can live with it and without it. It's a matter of how much suffering you may want to endure in this lifetime. So I do believe you can live with emotional availability and have a hard time living with emotional unavailability. What what are your thoughts?
0: I have to agree with you on the suffering part. Uh, We most of the time don't even know that we're emotionally unavailable. And of course the healthy relationships, uh, uh, they entail good attachment styles and being emotionally available. However, with emotional unavailability, We can be stuck in toxic relationships. And if we're not aware of that, then uh, we are for a ride of a very unpleasant time in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) And until we figure it out and want to change something about it or understand ourselves and other people, then we can't move forward. So that's absolutely right. Uh, that's the suffering which is involved in it. Some people like to suffer. They are so used so. to
1: suffering, right? I think people become addicted to suffering addicted. because it also increases a neurotransmitter or neuro, um, chemicals in our body that send us feeling certain ways, also uh, driven by unconscious behavior mm-hmm. as well. Again, like you said, mm-hmm. the road to self-discovery is why while you're tuning in today, because essentially, you are who you're looking for. Find you and then look to someone else. Search inside, stop looking outside. You can look outside, but be good on the inside before you start picking things from the outside.
0: Yeah, and we hear a lot nowadays about the reality uh, mirroring our true selves back to us. And I must agree with that because so many times I received in this life uh, what I asked for because at different times of my life, we all know about the the power of manifestation and the uh, desire that needs to come your way of the material possessions or anything else. So you visualize and you hope that it's going to happen in your life. And I've noticed that every single time that I wanted something, I would, in fact, get it, and then I would suffer and think, why, you know what, I really wanted that, and I got it. So why am I so damn unhappy, you know? And I realized that I was projecting what I was on the inside into the external world, hoping to get something, uh, not really the fairy tale, but uh, what we consider happiness for ourselves. Nevertheless, going back to the same kind of relationships and type of relationships as before, and up until the time that you get to understand yourself and ask yourself questions, hey, listen, uh, just getting honest with yourself, uh, sitting down by yourself and giving yourself enough time to ask yourself questions. And in fact, hearing the answers, whether you know those answers or don't, you have to be able to spend some time on your own in order to understand that so you're absolutely right we end up in toxic relationships so as uh
1: finding ourselves in there yes i agree and uh something i learned was what creates a toxic relationship is toxic behavior Perhaps the relationship itself isn't toxic. It's the behaviors we bring to the relationship that make the relationship toxic. So we start engaging in toxic behaviors that uh, often are presented with emotional unavailability, fear of vulnerability. Why would we, why would we be afraid to be vulnerable? Fear of rejection. Do you, can you identify any fears that interjected into your relationships that were not functional or dysfunctional?
0: I, I can't because I'm absolutely perfect person. I made myself into the perfect person and I have no examples you know. because I became, I turned myself into this divine uh, being. So all of you somewhere beneath, underneath with all your problems and I have no problems whatsoever, no issues. I'm emotionally available. <laughs> so while well, we can laugh about it. And I like to laugh uh, at myself because life can be so difficult and um, really uh, traumatic at times because we all go through so many different things, uh, personal, professional, uh, on so many different levels, and um, we rarely think of who we are and how we relate to other people, so Speaking about emotional availability and the lack of it, the opposite being emotionally unavailable, what does it entail? What does it entail? Because uh, I always thought before that um, I never even thought about this concept being emotionally available. You know, who wants to talk about it? We just live our lives uh, on a day-to-day basis and we don't Think about it, correct? Up until we see the patterns in our relationships that show us something about ourselves. And when other people bring it to our attention, in fact, I discovered that I was not so much emotionally available, meaning that I did not want to share my experiences with other people. I did not want to even open up and talk about my uh, feelings or emotions, how things made me feel. And if we uh, talk about emotional unavailability because unavail- availability feels so good and we're so open, uh, able to communicate our wants and desire in the relationship with either with friends or uh, uh, professional life. Uh, but in um, romantic relationships, unavailability, in fact, can damage you, your partner, and your relationship on so many different levels. And not necessarily that um, people who are unable to share emotionally different experiences of their lives with other people, not necessarily mm-hmm. that they're bad, that we have to mm-hmm. be careful to mm-hmm. over, not to over pathologize here or like in anything else. Uh, but... I've discovered that there's not so much of emotional availability in me. And then since you asked me, when I got to the United States uh, 25 years ago, and I realized that, man, this is such an open culture. And everyone talks about everything, whatever they have in themselves, they just openly lay it out there. And uh, uh, if you ask people from other countries, uh, they will tell you about the stereotypes of Americans. and. That was, that is one of them. And that was a good one. And I tried, I tried so hard to emulate this kind of approach and talk about my feelings and my plans ahead of time. And that made me extremely uncomfortable. I felt so bad every single time that I did it. So I was thinking about that. And that actually was a, uh, not anything that was coming from my childhood, but from my culture. Mm-hmm. Culturally, we are not open. And if you look uh, at the Russian people, <laughs> there's a stereotype Russian people don't talk. And as my daughter said, you know what? She said, Mom, the Russian people, they always have this uh, uh, angry bitch face. <laughs> I think like, you can refer to that as being stoic. It's stoic, but to other people, it is uh, uh, angry face all the time. We are not uh, friendly at all. And even if I've never lived in Russia, I still had this kind of um, attitude and I guess the appearance, it was deeply ingrained in my personality, not being so open about so many things. And to tell you the truth, I have changed to some regard and I don't consider myself, I don't consider this... uh, um trait in me negative it is just something that I grew up with and uh, if we go deeper into the past uh, that was uh, the country where I grew up in uh even political can't say regime I really dislike this word political situation there really prevented people from sharing openly likes and desires and their plans or anything for that regard So if you see Russian people, for the first thing they're going to tell you, if you ask them anything, is no, (laughs) no. (laughs) So if if you have any Russian friends uh, or (laughs) family, their response is always no. And if you hear that, now you know why. But they are such nice, uh, uh, soft and I can't say soft. They're not soft. They're stoic. Like you said, we're not soft at all. Uh, Really good hearted people. So there can be cultural differences as well. And not necessarily that we may be emotionally unavailable, but we warm up uh, with the to people with time
1: that also needs to be taken into consideration. I think that's what's important. We need to take time to get to know someone, just like you take time to get to know who you are. It's very important to get to know someone else to know their communication patterns. How do you communicate with one another? How do you sit in each other's presence? Understanding cultural diversity. All these things have influence in our relationships and building them. Yeah, and then how we maintain our relationships as well.
0: So speaking from the patterns perspective, if we're in a relationship with somebody and we really like them and even love them, We tend to not see even the red flags, correct? But uh, um, I think we see them. I think we choose to look the other way. That's true. What is it called? Willful ignorance. It is willful ignorance. And we're all guilty as charged on that.
1: Much easier to say red flag.
0: (laughs) Much easier to say. Exactly. But it is, yeah, willful ignorance. And who wants to uh, go against themselves? Like willful ignorance that you go against yourself and uh, you blame yourself. But much easier. Oh, it's the other person's problem. Red flag there. You know? So uh, it's much easier to do that. But nevertheless, we have to be able to... Be aware of the signs of emotionally unavailable people and
1: know what to do with that. Yes. Like avoidance of intimacy, inconsistent communication, or a couple of things, a limited, um, or prioritizing their independence. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. They don't talk about their feelings. Uh, They don't even ask you about your feelings. They can actually be, at the very beginning, they can be portrayed as um, such incredible, sweet, amazing people. Because they don't want to be, uh, they, they hide behind a facade of uh, big, uh, the nice, cheerful people. But at the same time, uh, with time, you know, like, for example, if you bring the uh, boy home and uh, he is has this uh, incredibly sweet way of talking to your parents, to you, he's everything that you ever hoped for. And your parents are too. Look, this is a great guy, such a keeper. All right. Um And then this is how it seems uh, uh, from the very beginning. Up until the time that you decide to get closer to him on the emotional level, right? Or on physical as well. It doesn't really matter. The closer you get, the more anxiety the person will feel and they will pull away. And then you think... What did I do? Everything was just so nice and fantastic, and then all of a sudden, bam, the person disappeared. All that d- inconsistency in response to your texts and even uh, phone calls—the person is not there. You know, the and it goes—they they grow cold. They grow cold. They yeah, cold. And I believe that a lot of the times they don't even understand that uh what they're doing whether they are emotionally available or not they're just um being themselves
1: yeah i think that brings up attachment styles i yeah. believe because some someone who's unwilling to speak about the future may be someone who's avoidant but there may be someone who's speaking about the future too frequently so they might be anxious so that um not only is an avoidant uh demeanor or presentation from someone, a lack of emotional, uh, it's an emotional distance. Also anxiousness can be, can create a distance between people. Oh, that's but, for sure. And those anxieties, the the um, dysfunctional
0: attachment styles, uh, they come from childhood. And if we look at that, <clears throat> and if we hope to see ourselves in this idealistic way,
1: <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, the attachment wounds.
0: Yeah, if we prefer to think uh, and hide our wounds so far and underneath, somewhere deep behind them, so many different deadlocks, right, and barbed wires, it comes out. And all those attachment styles, uh, we talk, we define them as attachment styles, but we never think about them, correct? So whatever happens, uh, the different traumas in our childhood, uh, the inconsistencies of our parents, Uh, because as children, we need to get a share of uh, emotional closeness, the understanding from our parents, or at least from one of them. And if we're not uh, able to get it, then we form insecure attachment style that uh, is poured out on everybody that comes our way later in um, adulthood.
1: Yeah. it's It's very important to speak about it and to be seen not only in a relationship, but just in general, as we're bringing to the world, to be seen, and to be heard. Not everyone's going to pick mm-hmm. up a book on attachment style because they may not no idea what's going on and why their relationships keep bombing, failing. So they keep leaving someone, someone keeps leaving them, someone keeps being attached to a married person, so on and so forth. But this exposure, I think, is so important because it gets the word out there. It gets the message so people can relate and understand Perhaps this is what I'm going through. Maybe my attachment style is avoidant, anxious. It's causing problems in my relationship. What can I do to stop self-sabotaging? Yeah. So how do you know that
0: uh, you yourself have problems with emotional availability? So um, you keep your emotions, you keep your options open. You're afraid to commit.
1: Keep people on the back burner
0: keep people on the back burner. Um, I stole the school. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. And uh, I could not understand that about myself, but this is exactly what I was doing. Uh, And that did not make me a bad person per se. It's just that this is how I approached um, relationships and people. Um, A lot of the times people... What is going on with me today? Oh, for Pete's sake! Like, what are they call like the horse voice? Like, where's the horses came from here? <laughs> horses, get, go away! <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: be uh, they better be those Arabic stallions, right? If they're the horses, so. And the black ones, the most gorgeous uh, horses in the world, I love them, I love them. they're so intelligent. So, but not getting away from our conversation.
1: Uh, no emotional
0: distance, come back. Come back, come back, come back. Exactly, I'm distancing myself. That's why I'm creating all the different topics not to talk about emotional availability, right? Yeah, because I feel threat, I feel a threat why because i need to be talking about my own experiences and that feels threatening to us right Mm -hmm. to a a lot of us uh, with being emotionally unavailable it feels like a threat that uh, we feel vulnerable like you mentioned Mm -hmm. and who wants to be vulnerable nobody wants to be vulnerable we need to protect ourselves and uh, it's also very important of course as um I was talking to a client of mine yesterday, and we discovered that she was a cancer, an astrological sign cancer. And I uh, said, oh my God, now I finally, I, I understand a lot about you. And it's not that the cancers are emotionally unavailable. Uh, it's that they don't want to be hurt. And they sort of uh, carry their hearts on their sleeves and they feel everything so intensely. And of course, not going into an- astrology, but we have to be able to, uh, <laughs> yeah, that cancer is cancer. <laughs> Out is of everybody. this world. <laughs> Out of this world. We had the, the questions, right, from somebody, what, from Mars, Jeff, I guess, or from Neptune? Jeff from another
1: planet. <laughs> uh, what did he ask? What kind of question did he ask? You've said, on the last few dates I've been on, the topic of polyamory and open relationships comes up. While I feel ready to explore various options, I'm not so sure I'm suited for multiple relationships. How do I approach the question of polyamory when it comes up on dates? Oh, so interesting. Uh, we can say that if the person
0: is afraid of a commitment and uh, if they don't really want to be putting labels on themselves and their partners, then it could be some emotional unavailability there.
1: Yeah, and I think when he's, um mentions polyamory and open relationships, I think it's we have to get clear. Polyamory can be multiple relationships, not just sexual relationships. It's generally it can be multifaceted with like many people. Open relationships generally are specifically to sex. So not all polyamory may be considered open, but open relationships are generally like swingers, open relationships where they have a deep communication and they have one goal in mind. However, polyamory is I, i I'd not quite versed in polyamory. However, I do, I have heard the term NRE or the acronym NRE, meaning new relationship feeling that Mm. people are chasing this new relationship feeling. And that's why they engage oftentimes in that lifestyle. So that was
0: interesting. Very Mm -hmm. interesting. But uh, what does it show? It shows the superficiality and not actually getting deep with anybody, yeah? To be polyamorous, they so just uh, go and uh, engage in different kinds of activities and uh, um, relationships with other people. And not necessarily the relationships that we understand that we have relationships with everybody in our lives, certain, uh, certain kinds of relationships. And um, in order to be polyamorous, you have to have a predisposition for that. It's kind of uh, going through life and not trying to get deep with any particular person. And with people who are emotionally unavailable, they have a difficulty um, going deep, of course, it's obvious that going deep with one particular person. So they will be looking for relationships on the side, being polyamorous or being in open relationships. And as soon as uh, you press them and say, hey, listen, like we've been in a relationship for such a long time and we've been, or we've been knowing each other for so long. Now it's time to define ourselves. That would uh, start that chain of anxieties um, wheels for that person, and they will withdraw. And then all of a sudden, you think that oh, you know, things have been going so well, so fantastic. And all of a sudden, what did I do? Is it my fault that I uh, I said something? Perhaps that uh, my partner disappeared, and they disappear for a few days. They don't return your calls. I uh, uh, don't respond to your messages. And they come back uh, um, as soon as uh, they stop feeling threatened. But the thing is that, what is important for you that will make you feel scared, even to talk about your relationship to, with your partner, being afraid that you are going to lose them, that the person is going to withdraw again, right, and disappear again. So it gets uh, into the cycle of a toxic relationship. It can. So we have to be very careful and really define at the very beginning what we need. Uh, watching for a different kind of signs of uh, unavailability, emotional unavailability. If you, for example, have this great guy, fantastic guy, and he makes you feel happy. And you know that, that there is a possibility of both of us to be together. Or uh, in the sense, uh, uh, this is the guy that we talk talking from the different planet uh then in this case then uh, um, possibly the relationship uh, can is possible in the future if both of you work um well, understanding each other, if perhaps if the person has uh, um, attachment, anxious attachment or avoidant attachment style, then you can get into the bottom of it and uh, just see how to work with it, how to approach this person. Because sometimes it can be nothing else but the person just leaving the uh, relationship and Absolutely. relationship did not end well, like for example that the uh, someone cheated, or for a prolonged um, uh, period of gaslighting, you know. And people become really vigilant, and they don't want to be giving
1: their hearts away to anybody so soon, right? Thank you. Yes, we have to also learn to withdraw ourselves from these toxic mm-hmm. behaviors or the to- the uh, dysfunctional relationships. I think that. Is all equally important to not stay there and allow yourself to continuously put yourself through that suffering however sometimes we just have to wear it out go back and forth back and forth stay in a place i mean think about people who have been married for years emotional distance or unavailability doesn't it's not something that's just new relationships it can be something that happens over time which there's a term that's not yet in the dsm the diagnostical and statistical manual of mental disorders number five, it's not in there, but it's called intimacy anorexia. And it's like when our partners start to withhold intimacy, uh, there could be control issues. I know I'm going a little bit off topic here, but just in general, we have to, I think, come home to self and either take ourselves out or like you said, work on these issues together.
0: No such things on our radio show to be off topic, Dr. Sherry.
1: We have oh, indeed. defined it
0: already. There's nothing of that sort. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I was yeah.
1: trying to meet Jeff on the other planet. So <laughs> I didn't know if I was back on earth.
0: Come back. Come back. <laughs> Sherry, what is that? moon to earth, moon to earth. <laughs> yeah. So not topics uh, are off limits here. Yeah. and um We have to be able to remove ourselves uh, from the toxic relationships. If you see that they are not working and if you're not married to that person, there is a chance to still withdraw yourself. Because if you set yourself on a quest to change another person, to make him... Uh, suit your mold for your perfect relationship for for what you want that person to be then uh, you are setting yourself for failure for heartache and for suffering and we started with that right the, why would I want to suffer because perhaps it feels familiar to us and our parents did uh, th- th- that kind of relationship that they had and we observed that and this is the pattern that we adopted from our parents, fixing people, um, hoping that they will change and doing no matter what by giving our hearts and selves to people, hoping that they will change. But those
1: unavailable people sometimes cannot change. hmm and I believe, we, uh, yes, like it is there, definitely easier said than done to remove yourself. It's not like, I mean, I'm guilty of staying in relationships way beyond the expiration date. That's why I'm here to talk about it today as well, to bring my experience to the table.
0: Um, oh, beyond the expiration date. This is such a great expression. Yes,
1: we get so wrapped up in the fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. and the fear of being alone, that we sit down and, in, uh, as they say in some uh, groups, We furnish the rut. We just continue to furnish this rut that we don't want to be there. We recognize, we don't recognize ourselves. We don't even recognize the person that we met, but we continue to stay. And why? Fear. Generally, it has to do with fear. And that type of fear, I would not call it a rational one. It's an irrational fear of the unknown. What if, how, can I do this on my own? When did the fear become rational? Dr. Sherry, fear is
0: always irrational. Of course, the the mode of survival that it is, it can be rational. That's the
1: rational fear. If if you know there's a snake out there, it's okay to be fear. Those things that are happening to your physiological anatomy, those things that are happening to you in your automatic nervous system, that's your survival mode. That's a rational fear. You should be afraid of that. But if somebody doesn't call you back or somebody wants to break up with you, that's nothing to be afraid of. It can but it causes a lot of people to go down in a downward spiral, including myself. I've been there. I just identify that as it's not a rational fear. and when we can if we can start going inside and understanding and tearing apart those fears, dissecting it, we can we can start to understand who we are and understand that we're gonna be okay. Aren't you usually okay? but at the end of the day, you get through these really terrible experiences and like months later you're like, I'm okay but in Uh, the moment, it's a lot different.
0: You know, what I used to do also, and uh, from the very early age, I think it was uh, 17 or 18, I started practicing non-attachment and that worked so well in my life and I wouldn't get attached to people. And even if I would, I would understand that uh, uh, even if they leave my life, I'm not going to be miserable. And uh, with years going by and uh, getting to different kinds of relationships, of course you get attached to people. Uh, And then you let go of uh, uh, your theories. And then once in a while you fall in love so deeply, like face down smack, there is nothing else you can do about it, right? And then that fear comes in that the person is going to leave. And like you said, it's a rational fear
1: But it seems so real,
0: and it is real real.
1: in the time to you. What you're feeling is real. real. With your feelings,
0: exactly. And I started reminding myself: practice non-attachment. Practice non-attachment, and that helped me a lot uh, throughout the years. uh, uh, Not feeling the pain so intensely when the relationships would end, or if if you're uh, arguing with someone practice non-attachment, actually reminding yourself that you are your own sovereign being and you are efficient, you are sufficient to yourself. And even if if that person decides to stay in your life, that is good. But without another person, you can still be sufficiently, incredibly happy and amazing. Yeah, going through the period of uh, uh, suffering and crying and uh, all of that. But nevertheless, we have to remember that we are sovereign beings and uh, uh, understanding that um, irrational fear, which comes and can throw us into the emotional turmoil for quite a long time. But at the same time, we have to remember that people do that Quite consciously, as a using that as a manipulative skill to uh, be hot and cold, hot and cold, and with emotionally unavailable people, it happens automatically, right? Uh, but then there are people who use that strategically to hook the partner or another person that they're interested in to hook them up, and that roller coaster. Being hot and cold, hot hot and cold, really enslaves people. And if we see that the person is um, really behaving that way, uh, putting us through emotional roller coaster, and that is a pattern, we must ask ourselves: we must uh, get up. From that situation get up and just look at ourselves in the mirror and understand listen are you out of your mind <laughs> are you out of your mind what happened to you what's the matter with you right Robert De Niro uh said in um what is that movie uh about the psychiatrist um remember Robert De Niro uh not right on analyze here. me there analyze me it's like, what's the matter with you? Are you stupid? What's the matter with you? <laughs> so once in a while, we have to be so honest with ourselves that we we'll look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what's the matter with you? Always be honest. Always, hey, what's the <laughs> matter with you? Are you stupid? Once in a while, when you go through this kind of relationships and yeah, those people can make you feel stupid and inadequate. And we have to call things their own names, right? And then ask yourself, is it good for me or is it bad for me? Am I suffering here? Is there something can be done about the situation? And if the person continues to show this kind of, uh, uh, pattern, their entire life, then all you can do is to leave.
1: Uh, uh, if you, it sounds like you're talking about someone who manipulates and again, someone who's going to manipulate, they're not emotionally available.
0: They yes. are emotionally
1: distant, so they're not available. Um, but you're, you're right on track with the coming to self, recognizing it really all, everything we get ourselves into is a product of our own choice. We make a choice to suit up and show up in that relationship. If we stay there for years and years and years, and sometimes we may stay for our children, for whatever reason we stay, when we leave, no matter what the other person did to us, we put ourselves there. I believe we have to take responsibility for showing up and staying there and I think when you start to do your own inventory in life, that's when you start to wake up, because it's like, what what is my role here? What am I doing and why am I staying? What, what keeps me here? Why do I want to be here? Take a self-inventory.
0: Self-inventory, but not that we have to stay when it happens Uh, it's not always easy to leave it's not easy to leave at all and we know so many different situations I was in a situation like that when I had to stay in relationship for the sake of my children and that was not healthy for me at all neither that it it was healthy for my children as well but um, I did it we have our own uh, uh, reasons to do things sometimes they may not be correct or serving us well but we do them of course it's not easy to leave
1: but you ultimately did you were able to
0: i ultimately right? did because not only that uh, he was emotionally unavailable uh, there were different issues um as well um also, must uh, we must understand that with emotionally unavailable people, not only that they don't want or willing to share things with you for whatever reason, they're not interested in your feelings. They're not interested in your
1: interests, and they are not listening to you. Right. It impacts the compatibility that you share with someone. That's so important.
0: Yeah, well, compatibility, whether it is there or, or whether it is not. And, of course, compatibility, compatibility is not a simple uh, understanding of it, right? It's on so many different levels, so intricate. And it is one of them to be able to listen to each other and to understand. So if you're making so many attempts to understand another person and uh, that person just uh, doesn't even turn around to listen to you, And that happens, uh, takes place over the years. You have to ask yourself whether it's worth it to stay there for the sake of the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, like you said, it is not easy at all. But um, we must be able to, like you said, to take inventory, to understand the patterns, whether you are healthy in this relationship. Or you, you don't have your own needs met. And when you don't have your own needs met, what happens with that, if you're emotionally available and your partner is not, you take the whole load of responsibility in your relationship and you're doing the work. You are doing the work and that can be so stressful. Mm-hmm. And draining not only they just stressful, it can be draining. You can uh if you don't have your own emotions, emotional needs met, where are you gonna have them met? You bury your own feelings, uh, unless you go um, we call them to go on the side, to go left, Russians call it to go left, to cheat. <laughs> to cheat, to go left. <laughs> <laughs> always go right, people, always go right. Do the right thing, take the high road. <laughs> uh unless you do that uh, uh and you have your needs met that way, you bury them you bury them uh so deeply in your subconscious that it can it can come out in the forms of different illnesses, whether emotional psychological right uh, or physical
1: yes. So it's it's important if you are t- together with someone you have children and you are experiencing these things. It is it's it's okay to reach out for professional help, reach out for uh, to to see if there's anything that you can do to talk and perhaps bring yourselves together to get some kind of mediation and try to help those situations. Yeah, and we become complacent,
0: right? And in this case, uh, then the couples uh, can uh, um, use the help of therapy to be able to understand each other, because a lot of the times people do wanna stay together, but they don't understand how to stay together. And then uh, I I always said that there has to be the um, big component of respect for each other. Mm -hmm. Because if you respect that person, you will be willing to understand him or her and uh, work on the relationship. Some people say, oh, if I have to work on my relationship, then it's not worth it. It has to come naturally. While it does, there's certain issues that arise in your relationship that need to be resolved.
1: If everything was so easy all the time, then we wouldn't have any problems. Well, being in a relationship with someone is it's an interpersonal connection and you have to it's not 50 um, 50. Brene Brown, she's a um, a researcher on shame. She speaks about like with her and her husband that like marriage, for instance, is not 50 50. It's like she, it's it's, a, it's you pull each other's weight. Like she said, she would come home and she may be like, I'm at an 80 today and he might be at a 20. Um, a thirty or something, but they carry each other's weight. So we, I think that's how a good functional relationship works. It's like you learn to have effective communication, you're able to understand each other and let each other be heard and seen, and which comes with respect, of course, and yeah. trust.
0: Because a lot of the times that the emotional unavailable people, they will continue to tell you that I don't trust you, and while there can be um, a reason of course behind it that uh, for example coming out of the awful relationship uh, abusive relationship that uh, you have to be super vigilant not to get out of trauma or childhood trauma exactly uh, then you have to be also be able to figure it out uh, what the person is about
1: look at the patterns again now again I lost my train of thought well, if someone speaks about always they can't trust you and you're not giving this person anything to not trust you about then there's a there's definitely an underlying situation like you said emotional distance going on there there's you I, I believe you can only give so much to someone who's emotionally unavailable eventually you're going to have to step out or go to together to work together to try to communicate with each other effectively what are your thoughts on that? Do you, how long do you stay in, in an unavailable situation? Do you stay? Do you recognize it before you go too far?
0: You have to. You have to approach that critically because we don't want to end up in the same relationship again and again and again. And what and how happens- How do we read also, between the lines of the personas? Mm, a lot of the times with people being emotional unavailable, it is such an overused phrase. We have to just uh, abbreviate or something. Say emotionally uh, distant. EU, emotionally <laughs> EU people. EU, EU,
1: EU people.
0: We <laughs> 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 have to be able to laugh at ourselves because I can be. Oh, the, it's same the greatest thing.
1: humility, right?
0: I'm such an EU person. <laughs> <laughs> there is lack of empathy or no empathy at all. So if you met a person and you think that, oh, what a fantastic human being, and everything goes right, and you spend time together, and you realize that, oh, this is the person that uh, I, I think that I can build my life with. And then you notice one time after another, that uh, this person can't empathize with you, can't even understand what you're going through. You know, there was a movie, oh, with Sarah Jessica Parker, Um, Phil, Phil, what was it called? Um, ah, That was a story when she was uh, um, a person who would help parents to get their sons that are already of age past twenties and thirties to leave, to leave the home. You know, this is so incredibly interesting that, um, she was a professional in it. So she would have those boys fall in love, boys, young men already fall in love with her. Right. And, um, one of the tricks that they fall in love with her, One another trick is uh, how to even have them bond with you is to show them that you're going through some sort of an emotional trauma. It is so incredible. Oh, it's called Failure to Lunch with Sarah Jessica Parker, my favorite one. <sighs> Failure to Lunch. So what she would do with every guy She was just taken, fake the emotional, um, the trauma, emotional upsetting situation. Like, for example, having to put her dog to sleep. And she will call the guy and she would cry on his shoulder and he would have to console her with that. And then at the end, she would just say thank you to the. The, the, to the vet, who <laughs> helped her with a dog that was, of course, that was not her dog, uh, but the guys, she would uh, just um, wanting them to bond with her and how people bond, by also going through traumatic experience together. So if you are going through something, and that person, a uh, guy or a girl is not able to empathize and say it will be there for you that's another huge red flag that um, the person may not be emotionally available you know and before you go deep as smart intelligent humans we have to be able to test people before we uh, jump into any relationship with them and i uh, i have to uh, I have to, I've always been grateful to my mom for teaching me not to fall in love so easily and for testing people, testing guys. And this is what I was doing, not because of manipulation, but because it was important to know what he is all about. Before, of course, we had all these arranged marriages, right? And nowadays we don't. So we would check out the family, the person, the financial situation, Uh, We will collect uh, information from all the relatives and friends on the person's character. We can't do it anymore. We have to do it ourselves. So while some people uh, can um, really say, "Oh, that is so uh, unauthentic. We just have to fall in love and just see where it takes us. Yeah, go ahead and do that. But when you fall in love with your heart, I would suggest take your brain with you. So it's not only hard. It's also the brain. If you fall in love, take your brain with you as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think healthy relationships, you have less doubt. You have less deflection and less doubt. When when things are healthy and you're in a good place in your life, I don't think you're going to be riddled with so much doubt. If you're always having doubts, you're going to poison whatever's in front of you, whether it's your relationship a friendship, a business partnership. So if you have doubts, get to the bottom of it. Don't True. jump too fast. True,
0: but if you look at the, the perspective of the person who is emotionally unavailable, right, that um, uh, we may have uh, uh, difficulty of maintaining any type of a serious relationship. So we would have superficial relationships through our entire life, correct? Mm. So yes. pattern, we would have a pattern. Or broken relationships, not being able to go deep at all, like you said, polyamorous with a person uh, from another planet. Uh, I can't believe we already have extraterrestrials here on Mm -hmm. our talk show. (laughs) (laughs) So, and they also, for example, uh, you don't want them to enter your life. You don't want them to get to know your parents. They don't want you to... uh, you don't want them to even get closer to you in sense of uh, spending some holidays together, right? You want to keep the person at a distance at the arm's length all the time, right?
1: Well, I think if you, if you get to a point where you're keeping someone like that, then you should definitely start focusing on yourself unless you're addicted to suffering. But I think any, even if you're the emotional person who's sabotaging at some point, you're going to feel the suffering. Even if you're not on the other end of the, what's being, what's happening. If, I generally think that two unemotionally unavailable people generally come together until they, and, and it just usually doesn't mix out because I think an emotional un- available person, not a an ew, but an <laughs> an available person won't even put up with it. It, it, it. When you're emotionally available, you see the signs, and you're like, "There's no way I'm putting. My, I'm not going to thrash myself. I'm not even going to stick around to smell this." But when we are healthy,
0: exactly. You're healthy. You have to be healthy for that. Yeah.
1: So if you're not emotionally available, I think that's when it, when two people meet, two broken toys can't fix each other, you know, so two broken people can't fix each other. We can't fix anybody. You exactly. can maybe, you know, fix somebody's collar, you know, <laughs> right. fill them their that's zippers the down. But yeah. I mean, you can't fix someone and make them whole. And yeah. if you start doing that, you have to look at yourself and be like, have I fixed myself? Am I whole?
0: Oh, yeah. You know, I've been going my entire life trying to uh, fix other people, you know, being a the therapist and then uh, um, you seeing all those uh, problems and pitfalls, and then you learn about yourself as well. This is so incredible i've been able to learn so much about myself through my clients and working with people trying to help them understand themselves and their relationships and essentially they
1: are showing up to fix themselves no one it, can fix absolutely
0: person, but it's absolutely
1: the, but you it's have the, to do the work Yep. Yeah. but you facilitate yes. it so that's wonderful
0: yeah well we are facilitating our discussion today Live, we're streaming live on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM, from beautiful Louisiana, from New Orleans, and this is Be Honest podcast with Dr. Sherry and Dr. Yana, where we talk honestly about everything in life, about relationships, and everything relationships entail and entangle, and all the ew parts as well. So whatever people (laughs) that wanna talk about, we talk here. So ask us questions and we'll do our best to respond to your questions. Uh, Extraterrestrials are are, are welcome here, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone. Everyone, yes. Uh, Everything. uh, We had uh, Tracy asking us question on um, people, being uh, stuck watching porn and how it relates to emotional availability and to uh, relationships uh, in general. And she was really concerned about it. And I'm sure that this is not just a single concern. It has been an epidemic in relationships because um while we become emotionally unavailable for different reasons, right? For for, for example, that we may have not only uh, being ill people, we may have some problems uh, at work, right? Or we can have some uh, health issues. And for that only, we're not able to connect with your partner, correct? And so once in a while, we can become unavailable. So the longer it persists, uh, Uh, the more people are looking for different kinds of outlets for themselves. And that becomes gambling, that becomes porn. And unfortunately, if you are looking for porn to enter your relationship and be a part of your intimate relationship in, in your bedroom, then can we talk about being emotionally available? Because what you're doing at this time, you are connecting with people on the screen, for example, and not with a person in front of you, the real authentic person in front of you, flesh and blood, correct? So where is that emotional availability? It's nowhere, it's superficial. And we are connecting with everyone but our partner. And it hurts the partner because that is a live human being in front of you that does not want to be compared. Well, there are situations where people want to include both of the partners that want to include porn. And that uh, is a different topic for discussion. But if one person is unavailable and wants to continuously use porn, then that is... uh, uh, in my understanding, isn't curable unless you, like you said, take inventory and stop doing that because that hurts your partner. But that has become an epidemic. And uh, um, I would suggest if uh, uh, you meet a person like that and the person insists on bringing porn into your bedroom, then you should not be even continuing uh, conversations uh, about anything with that person. Uh, Moreover, to engage with them in the bedroom. Because there's
1: no authentic connection. And would you uh, go to say that in instances like this, most people hide it? Oh, most
0: people hide it, indeed. And um, what happens uh, uh, scientifically, psychologically, that uh, when you engage in a sexual course, uh, course, of course, of course, as well sexual intercourse or lovemaking. There's a huge difference between these two. Um, you bond with that person. Women bond with men more than men bond with women. For them, it can be more of a, just a sexual act. Uh, Than for women, women biologically, we bond uh, with our partner because uh, we need to procreate, we need to uh, give birth to children, we need to uh, weave a nest for uh, our house, in our house. So um, with the porn that um, men essentially don't bond with their partner. They bond with themselves. And in fact, when they use porn and they help themselves without the help of their women, without being physically close to her, they're essentially like bonding with themselves and testosterone testosterone levels fall. And Men don't understand it. It's okay like for a woman to have testosterone levels low, right? If she's a female, a uh, feminine woman. But for a man, they don't understand by helping themselves and masturbating, their testosterone level can go down. Because while bonding with their partner, their testosterone levels can go up. And they do go
1: up. So it is quite possible to bring up the concept of intimacy anorexia. Because it, I would, could we, could it be fair to say that if the relationship grew complacent and there's intimacy anorexia being held, perhaps maybe the person who's not watching porn is withholding intimacy or emotional connection. Would that be, could that be a trigger or a driver for someone to seek an alternative outlet?
0: Well, that's, I believe it's uh, um, an ethical question. Then uh, first needs to be discussed because, in my personal relationship, I, um, when I was married, I uh, the, the, there was no porn. So we're talking about being emotional and available. We're talking about the, the relationship uh, being over, essentially. So I approached him and I said, you know, you know that our relationship is dead. And it has been dead for a long time. And we're just together for the sake of the kids. So how about that we have our own personal lives and that could be an honest uh, conversation and uh, bring it up uh, and upfront uh, to discuss with your partner whether that can be a possibility but a lot of the times who talks about it we feel unheard we feel unloved and then we go left We go go and find uh, the fulfillment on the side somewhere with different people. But uh, at the same time, if we look at it, not one single great relationship started when people were uh, engaging in different relationships while still being married. Not one single good relationship ever started that way. So um we we're going deep into
1: that. <laughs> well we speaking of married uh people, I have uh we had a question from Bridget in Colorado Springs. Bridget said, I'm in my late 20s and I'm attracted to and date married men. I now want children of my own. Does dating married men mean I'm not available for a relationship with a single man? I mean, if you're still in the relationship, Bridget, you I would we suggest you get out if you want to be available to anyone who's single. However, um, I think that's another um, uh, key to the ooh, or the unavailability, or the unavailable attachment. Excuse me. <laughs> unavailable. <about> unavailability. <laughs> I think I'm becoming unavailable right
0: now. <laughs> Being tongue-tied. Yeah. But
1: attracting people who are not available, or feeling like, perhaps Bridget feels safe. I I've encountered relationships where I was with a person who's emotionally unavailable, mm-hmm. and I felt that it was gonna be safe for me. Oh, it's safe. They don't even want a relationship. And But it really, that word of safe and being in a very difficult, complex relationship with someone who's unavailable, there's nothing safe about it.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned that the being safe, uh, feeling safe in a relationship uh, uh, with a married person But what does the safe come from? Safe, if you're not ready to engage or be in a relationship, yeah, it's safe for you. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. Um, But at the same time, if you want to start a family uh, or just to to have children and you're still attracted to unavailable people, then you have to look deep into yourself and ask yourself, uh, what is going on there? And then ask yourself a question, honestly, do you think that person, that man is going to leave his wife? Because a lot of the times when men have a mistress on the side and then they cheat here and there, uh, they are not Mm -mm. emotionally available either, because how can you do that if you're not sharing that emotional uh, closeness uh, and intimacy with your wife and you go and spread yourself thin with other women? what does it tell you that if he continues to tell you that the, Oh, I'm going to divorce my wife and it just never happens. Ask yourself, go to the mirror and say, what's the matter with you? Are you stupid? Leave that man because he is never leaving his wife to come to be with you. And it may sound really harsh, but at the same time, you have to be able to look the reality in the face. If you want to have children, uh, if you, the married man is uh, uh, incredibly financially um, prosperous, and you just want to have children with him for the sa- to have safety that way. Then uh, um, people do that, but at the same time, they are settling for unavailable person who may have two or three families at the
1: same time. Yes, you and know, I would I would, would say it. Bridget should start working on her own emotional availability because mm-hmm. she too appears to be not emotionally available
0: you know by asking the question itself we already have the answer don't you Mm -hmm. think when people ask the question they already have an answer yeah and this has been my observation because when i ask questions yeah i have partial answer to that already so if she is asking that that means that she is already on the way to uh resolving her issue so that's good wonderful we appreciate all the questions that were asked yeah so keep asking us questions we really love questions and we will continue to deliver answers um, as much as we can Uh, we also um, should uh, touch upon the um, uh, the personality I believe the personality of uh, the ultimate unavailable person, which is, in fact, the Peter Pan. And we all know the story of Peter Pan. And in psychology, in archetypal psychology, there is such a thing as called, um, phenomena called the uh, Peter Pan syndrome. And those can be boys that never grow up and they become young men, and they become men, and they become older men, still emotionally unavailable, still fun-loving, incredible, um, to to be in their company men, but at the same time, they're so immature, and they fly from one flower to another with just collecting them. What is it um, that the flowers have on top? The nectar. The nectar, let's just say the nectar. They're collecting the nectar and never settling for one particular flower. So essentially what happens with them, they can be so fantastic. But the thing is that they are just childish men that never grow up. They never settle with anybody. And if they do, they will always have a partner on the side because they are unable to give themselves to anybody. And Peter Pan, what was he looking for? He was looking for a mother to care for them. So that has to be understood. And uh, taking into uh, your uh, jar of um, understanding. Like if you would uh, hypothetically, metaphorically, take a jar and just... Put into that your understanding, okay. Like, I understood this thing. All right, like psychologically, I just put it in it. So then you go into that jar and you pull it out and say, Hey, listen, I understood that already. I know that about this kind of men. And then next time you meet them, uh huh, I understand. This is a Peter Pan. This is an unavailable person. So, how do we approach that? Do we continue to pursue that man who is unavailable? at the expense of our own well-being we don't but the thing is that it is um, easier said than done because what happens with emotional unavailable people they uh through their mm, pattern of being cold and hot cold and hot uh, what happens is that uh, they psychologically hook you like uh, uh in peter pan there was this um mm, what was that pirate? What was his name? Captain Hook. Captain Hook can hook you so badly. And that probably archetypally, this is what Peter Pan is using, in fact, to hook you deep into your heart, into your soul. And then you're hooked. And then you continue to think, oh, how could it be? He's so fantastic. Oh, he promises um great love and marriage and that he's going to change. And every time he comes back, he loves me, you know. Uh, So what women want to do? They want to continue to pursue. They want to go back to that time when it felt so good when that Peter Pan was narcissistically pursuing them and um, uh, wishing and um, promising what the paradise and we want to go back to the same kind of feelings to get back to the paradise and paradise goes away as the person withdraws, right and then comes back again because they still want to be close with you and uh just because they don't know what they want from the relationship doesn't mean that you don't have to know what to get from the relationship right i also uh had a client who would be in a relationship like this with a older peter pan who was uh 58 years old that man and through his entire life he used women and of course he was an emotional unavailable person uh he was a commune communal narcissist and for everybody he was the most fantastic person but at the same time he would look uh, not for women he would look for mommies to take care of them even if the woman was younger so the bulk of the work in that relationship would be on the woman that was with him, that client of mine. And um, it was very difficult for her to understand that she cannot stay in a relationship like this because he will never change. And it took her years, years being in therapy to finally understand that she is not able to change an emotionally unavailable man of course, what it that entails of being narcissistic, being manipulative, and being a Peter Pan. Peter Pans don't change. They are unchangeable people. And even in their 60s and 70s, they can remain Peter Pan. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Look for stable, good, smart, wise, financially stable, emotionally available men. Not Peter Pan. So...
1: Is there a woman version of that?
0: Um, Yeah. There is uh, uh, a notion of Puella. It's exactly the same thing as the woman unable to settle for any particular man. So she skims or scams uh, through life, uh, not being able to settle with one particular man. And that is an archetypal story that we have to understand our archetypal stories in order to move forward And we don't want to do that because when you tell somebody that, oh, this is, uh, we can determine the archetypal Kuehla story, never growing woman, a woman, girl, girl woman, essentially, that never grows up. And this kind of woman can also have children and also the series of uh, uh, failed relationships. But at the same time, until she learns to grow up, to ground herself in some serious activities, in a serious relationship, there's no way for even for a woman to move forward with that. We have to understand it about ourselves. And that is why you go and you look at, at yourself in the mirror, mirror, mirror mira, <laughs> and you ask
1: yourself, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Wake up. I love you. Tell yourself love you, love you. Love yourself.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And fall in love with the person in the mirror. Yeah. But um, the most difficult thing is to fall in love with ourselves. We can love other people, uh, but not ourselves. We can forgive other people, but we have a difficulty forgiving ourselves. So it's mm-hmm. easier than done. It's a process. It's a process of falling in love with yourself. And even if you never loved yourself, it's a process of falling in
1: love with yourself. Well, or in addition, I mean, like you're saying, if you don't take the time to fall in love with yourself, you're probably going to continue living different experiences that you may not be proud of or happy of and continuously ask yourself, why does this keep happening to me? You may even revert to the victim all the time and instead of just taking the inventory of yourself and getting out of that victimhood. Easier said than done, but it can be done. I think at the end of the day, no matter where you are, if you can't be yourself and you can't be in your own skin, chances are you're not available emotionally with another person. If you can't be yourself and you have to feel like you have to put on a persona, a mask, show yourself differently to someone else, I don't think that if you can't live authentically, you're not available in the moment.
0: That's true, in the moment or at all. Mm -hmm. And then we can go into therapy to understand ourselves or we can just uh, do some self-discovery, learn and read some literature about it uh, because while it feels good to protect ourselves and sit in our own shelves, shelf so we can sit on the shelves as well right the elf on the shelf which is by the way such a horrible horrible thing i must say it is uh uh, really so delusional with
1: poor children
0: (laughs) elf on the shelf like moving and it's uh have you ever done that with your kids
1: my uh yes my uh oldest is was scared of it then continue to do that let her be scared about
0: it for the rest of her life (laughs) no (laughs) Yeah, Elf on the Shelf. Thank God I never did it with my kids because it, it is scary for me. It was scary for me Then imagine for the kids.
1: So yeah, to be on the
0: shelf. <laughs> but in our own shell, right? We can just uh, uh, withdraw and uh, feel safe within our own shells. But if you want to have that connected connected connectedness with a person, then you have to be able to talk to them openly. Or at least to make the effort, and if it, if it feels safe and you, if you see that the person has already uh, proved themselves to be trustworthy and they will not really be hurting you intentionally, then little by little you can open up and you can talk. You can talk and little by little get out of your shell To make your life better, to avoid all that uh, stress and suffering, predominantly suffering, because we can so retrieve into our um, shells, into our dens, that we no longer want to get out. We want to protect ourselves no matter what, and then we harden as human beings. We harden, and we don't let anyone else come into our hearts.
1: Yeah, I think when you emphasize coming home to self does not relate to um, hopefully the viewers don't relate to being isolated. It's not about isolating yourself. Coming home to self, I don't think it's something we do alone. We do it with trusted people. We do it with professional help, therapy, coaching, um, different outlets. We can search for a variety of diverse outlets. It doesn't have to just be dating. There's other places we can go and people to meet. We don't have to just put ourselves in the dating world to be attached to someone. But just to remember that when you're alone, you can enter a place of grace and solitude. You don't have to be lonely. There's a difference. I think sometimes you have to sit with yourself long enough. However, that's a difference between isolating, like you said. So definitely good to point that out. Yes,
0: solitude and loneliness, two different things. And loneliness, it comes from also from the deep, uh, sense of anxiety as well like uh, wanting to have another person in your life and not having so when that loneliness comes and you also understand that listen I am a you person I'm emotionally unavailable how can I make it work how can I go out and make a connection with people
1: Right cuz if you, if i keep showing up unemotionally emotionally unavailable i'm going to keep attracting people who are not good for me so i'm going to keep repeating the pattern until i figure it out wear it out but you don't have to keep wearing it out if we can exactly. just learn to go in exactly and that is the mirror uh
0: phenomena this is the mirror that comes and in- the environment mirrors what you have inside and continues to bring your people like yourself what your expectations are. Because like for me, I've always gotten what I wanted. And that's how I grew. I said, okay that it doesn't work for me anymore? I wanted that. I got it. But it doesn't work for me anymore. This is not the one that I want to settle myself for or settle at all. I deserve more, and I, uh, I'm i a great woman. I'm amazingly beautiful, smart, and I'm not just talking about myself, but from the um, behalf of uh, all of us women in the world, and we deserve, although I don't really like the word to deserve, nobody deserves anything, but we know ourselves, we know our value, and we should not settle for something that is less because that will only bring heartache and resentment. So never settling for anything that is less of our expectations. But then again, we have to go through a series of uh, failures or failed relationships, right? It's rare when somebody would um, uh, marry someone early in life and never had any issues. My cousin, for example, uh, he married a woman early on uh as soon as she graduated from high school, uh, he she was uh, um, he was the only man that she knew, and they had children together. and guess what? That just because she never had, never experienced any relationships of that sort with anybody, just with him. Uh, she started having doubts. And she had to go and explore it on her own, but she had to have her heart broken on the side and then come back into the family and the children and her husband. And to finally understand that, listen, this is the family that I have and this is the everything that is important to me. But we have to have our share of failed relationships because it's our human path. And that's how we survive as human beings. That's how we learn.
1: Pain is uh, pain is how we all also gain strength in life. How we learn to deal with certain things, like they say, when the fear of change outweighs the um, the fear of, when the fear of change. I'm stumbling on it. When the fear of pain outweighs the fear of change, you'll change. That's usually when we change. When the Absolutely. fear is greater than the fear of change, we'll, we're going to change. Absolutely. So, And
0: that is so wise. And Nietzsche also said, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And of course, nowadays, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger as humanity. That's absolutely the case. And life is not uh, an easy thing. We're not born with instructions. Uh, Parents don't have instructions how to treat their kids. Kids growing up, they don't uh, come up with the, the, they're not given the instructions by their parents on how to approach this life. So we're thrown into this life, right? And we, by trial and error, we uh, go in this life and we move forward. Sometimes uh, one step forward, two steps back, which is okay, but that's how we learn. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is to be conscious on your evolutionary way, on your own life path. You have to be conscious and not to get stuck in the pattern of bad relationships. And that should... Exactly. Reading through the lines and essentially reading through the lines of your own understanding of this life, of your own narratives of this life. Meaning that if something doesn't work, if you see that the um, that it doesn't suit you, then you have to ask yourself a question. What can I do about it? What can I change in myself first? Because we all want to go out and change the world. But how can we change ourselves? How can we relate to this world? How can we relate to this un- emotionally unavailable people? How can Be the we change? Be yeah, the change.
1: The change you want to see in the world, that's a quote. Be I the want to change. change from Gandhi, but I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's either you change yourself or the world will
0: change you, or the world will change you. And those unemotionally available people, if you are in relationship with them, they will continue changing you to the point when you are no longer psychologically healthy or even physically healthy. And that can be problematic. So get yourself emotionally and psychologically healthy first. And then the right person is going to come along. Because I know that it is not the... uh, There's no... Actually, the age... um, Uh, difference between uh, uh, wanting to get a right person in our lives, right? We all long for that right person from the beginning to the end. Who doesn't want to marry someone and be with them happily, live with them happily ever after? Doesn't happen that way. You know, unfortunately, it doesn't happen that way because we are thrown on this earth also to learn about ourselves.
1: Right. You are who you're looking for. So if you can find you, I promise you, if it's healthy, you're going to find whatever you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. You-
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that is um, something that uh, we should always remember. And uh, if we have trauma, try to resolve that trauma, not to carry that because it will uh, show up uh, one way or another. And then this is uh, coming from your own past traumatic experiences. This is how you will be relating to other people, perhaps making them unhappy through the series of uh, emotionally unavailable activities. So that we have to be uh, also uh, careful about. And taking it slow. Taking it slow with anybody. If you're just starting a relationship with someone, Take it slow. Life. Yeah. Slow dance. Slow mm-hmm. it down. And of course, sometimes uh, we can slow down because our emotions and passions are there dancing between you, like and your partner. It's impossible sometimes just just to slow down, and then we bring um devoured by the passion
1: and There's- yeah, if you fall down, just get back up, don't beat yourself up, get back up. True. get back up.
0: But then again, if you are devoured by the passion, it's really difficult from the very beginning to distinguish whether the person emotionally available or not, you know. So uh, have to take it slow and give the give relationship time to develop and to understand where the person is coming from. What kind of childhood did they have? Relationship with their parents? Or uh, whether they didn't have any parents? How did that? What kind of life did they live before you? What the pattern of their relationships, whether that's healthy or not, whether they had some serious relationship before you? Or you ask some questions that are important to you uh, nonchalantly because when you meet the person for the first time, again, they will tell you more. They will tell you almost everything about themselves. If you have an ear uh, to listen, and you have to be able to listen when you just first meet the person because they will tell you more than um, they're hoping to reveal in the first date or so. And then you can make uh, your own uh, um, conclusions whether you're willing to move forward with this person or not, and not to settle for something that goes against your convictions. So we've all been there. And Dr. Sherry will agree with me. We've all been there.
1: Oh, we might revisit. You never know. Just, beca- just oh, because... just forbid, you don't-, don't say anything like that. Don't say anything
0: like that we, who is we. <laughs> I don't want to be there again. <laughs> because no, it's no, no, so traumatic. Is it? No, 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 no. I don't want to be there. I'm like, I, I worked on <laughs> my travels. Come on, come on. All the traumas. Uh, I'm go- don't say anything. Like Don't jinx it. <laughs> just stay, just stay the course. <laughs> stay the course. Stay the course. And that is the most important thing. We have to be able to stay true to ourselves. If we are able to stay true to ourselves, we will stay true to other people and relationships. However, if we stay true to ourselves, we must also understand that whatever comes our way doesn't have to stick to us. So whatever, and I'm not saying whoever, because a lot of the times, all those people that come our way, they're not even whoever, they're whatever. And they're not sometimes even, um, they don't have even the right to be next to us. Like I know, there are certain type of people that uh, I would not even tolerate next to me. I would not have <laughs> friendships with them, seriously, uh, and not because I am um, such a snob, but because I know my value and I will not be wasting time uh, with certain individuals. And that is, we must. That comes from self respect. And nowadays with this cancellation culture, we can just say, oh, oh, we have to accept everybody. We have to respect everybody. I don't think so. Because respect needs to be earned, you know, and acceptance also needs to be earned. Trust needs to be earned. Yes. So be honest, be you. Be honest and be you. The that's. (laughs) The most fantastic gift that you can give to yourself.
1: That's right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it's time to go to another planet. (laughs) It's time. (laughs) (laughs) We came to you live, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from beautiful Louisiana, from New Orleans, on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. And we have been... Uh, your hosts, Dr. Sherry and Dr. Yana on this incredible podcast, Be Honest. It may not be so easy to be honest with yourself and with other people, but we have to make a great effort to be honest with ourselves first and then with everybody else. So thank you very much for joining us. We hope to see you again. On our next incredible topic, which we will reveal later today. Horses coming back. Dr. Sherry, thank you very much for joining in and having this incredible conversation. Dr. Yana, where's Dr. Yana? Dr. Yana, (laughs) thank you so much for also (laughs) participating in this conversation. We greatly thank you. Split personality. Yeah, dissociative
1: personality.
0: (laughs) Horses, you know, they're horses. Come on, like everything else. Peter Pans, yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, and tune in next week. We'll come to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye -bye.
1: And.